We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. I've had great reviews from principals who have purchased the trauma course that I have available at jethrojones.com slash trauma. And it's not too late, not too late in the year to start talking about this. One principal recently got it and wanted to talk especially about self-care at this time of year, and that's a big part of dealing with trauma in your schools. So go to jethrojones.com slash trauma and get that course today. All right. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I am so excited to talk with Derek McCoy, who is a fellow Digital Principal of the Year, and I am a big fan of Derek and have been for a long time, long time middle school educator, worked in South Carolina and now in uh, Georgia. And so Derek, welcome to the program. So excited to have you here. Thanks so much, Jethro. And, and that was North Carolina. North, um, I knew I, as soon as I said it, I knew it was wrong. <laughs> no, it's good. It's yeah, proud North Carolinian for 13 years, but, yeah. happy to, but I was born and raised in Georgia. So I'm happy to be back home. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's why I need a little script. I never have a script because I always mess that stuff up. All right. Well, I will make sure when I interview your co-author of this book that I use the wrong Dakota to reference him. Please do. And (laughs) just for so many reasons, just please do. He gave me a good hard time about that during our keynote last week. And make sure you do that. That's going to make my day. (laughs) 
<laughs> Good. I'll certainly do that. <laughs> and I don't have to try too hard because it's pretty natural. So uh, mm-hmm. we're talking about your book that you two, you and uh, Darren Elwain wrote together, The Revolution is Time to Empower Change in Our Schools. And as I started reading this, I like start, I was on my Kindle and I just started highlighting everything because it was, it was so good. So let's talk a little bit about what it is that you're talking about when you're talking about the revolution, because that sounds a little provocative. Yeah. And, and you know, that's what we were going for. So first want to, I just thank God that, uh, that Darren and I got together for this project. And I want to give a shout out to Bill Ziegler. I hope the listeners here know Bill Ziegler. And if you don't, please connect with him. Uh, Bill actually brought Darren and I together for a presentation on learning spaces. And you know, it was a cool talk and on a conference call one night, Darren is a middle school principal. I'm a middle school principal and the other principals are uh, elementary and high. But when I was listening to him talk and I was listening to him, he was listening to me, took the conversation offline. And we just really just clicked on the different things that we were doing at the middle school level. So some conversations and a good friendship later, we talked about the book and we talked about just doing stuff different at the middle school level. But as we were writing and talking, it's just so much in education right now needs to change. Just so much needs to change. And this couldn't just stay a middle school book. You know, we, we still, for the most part, we still do desks and rows. We do worksheets on computers or just straight up worksheets. We look at curriculum the same exact way where somebody else tells us what to teach instead of us looking at the kids in front of us, the kids in different classes or, or owning that power that we can do things different. We look at delivery the same. So, so much is the same as it was 100 years ago that really the time for shifting is over. And I'm a big fan of the word shift. Shift gives comfort. But the time for shift is over. We got to make some change for our kids right now. They're they're going to a, a new world and they're going to have world-class problems that, that they can't solve with the old factory mindset that we had. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I think about like making that change happen, it's tough because you're turning this big, huge ship that's got this little tiny rudder and it just takes a long, long time. And it seems like we're never going fast enough, but our kids need it, you know, because we can't be sending them out thinking that we've quote unquote prepared them when all they know how to do is, you know, fill in some worksheets and do pretty basic stuff. You know, how can we ask them to solve real problems when none of the problems they ever see in school are real, you know? Yeah. And then the real part, and then the the other real part to that is we're asking people to change. We're asking adults to change. So, you know, it's not, it's not like drinking the can of so, your favorite soda change colors, but it's still the, the same, same flavor. It's changing practices. It's changing mindsets. It is changing what you believe about education, really and truly. And in the book, we talk about giving up control. We talk about, here's a big one. We talk about shifting from classroom management to building a classroom culture. And that is absolutely a fundamental control that uh, some teachers have to have feel they have to have. But as you go through that journey of giving up control to building up that culture, you'll see that you get more power. But but that's that's a huge shift and and it takes time and it takes time. And we want we have to give people time to make that change. Uh, we have to give them the support to make that change. 
And the reason for that, the reason it's so important is looking at the kids in your classroom, right? The kids in front of you right now need that. The kids next year are going to really benefit, but the kids in front of you right now need that. Yeah. You know, one of those shifts that I've made over the past several years is, is the idea of as educators, we are supporting parents and educating their children because they are the ones who really do the the real education, the life lessons, the raising them from zero to 18, you know, all that stuff. And so I've shifted from seeing us as the, as the people who try to get parents to engage with us and more of us as educators working to find a way to support families in the education of their children. So, you know, homework is a good example of that. I think it is inappropriate and wrong for a school to say, this is what your kids should be doing at home because we're supporting them. We're not directing. And if like a parent says, I want homework for my kid, that's when we give homework, but we're serving them. And that's not how we see it in education. We see it as they're sending their kids to us because we're the experts and we're the only ones who can teach them. And we got to turn that around, in my opinion, and get that so that we are supporting them so that it's more of a home-centered, school-supported type of approach of education rather than a school-centered, home-supported approach. That's pretty radical too. So yeah, that's absolutely revolutionary. I got you. So check this one out. So here's here's a shift from 100 years ago to now. You know, we still conduct business like the three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic. We, that's, that's essentially how we conduct business. And of course, that can't go anywhere. We know kids got to read. We know kids got to do math and, and we know they have to they have to have literacy. And we know this. That's fundamental. That's not going to change. But we also know better. We also know better. Kids, they have to collaborate. They have to be creative. We're in situations now where schools are confining. And this is not a, a blanket condemnation on the field of education by, by any means. But we aren't doing what all we can to tap into student creativity, okay? Or, or just sometimes just resilience. You know, dadgummit, this is tough. What do you do? You wait for the teacher to give you the answer? Nothing, nothing past the age of 16 works like that, you know? So in the book, we talk about shifting from the three R's. And one of the three R's, and I'm going to bring this all the way back to, the, to what you were saying about the parents, uh, one of the one of the new the new three R's that we talk about is passion. You know, finding something that you're passionate about and diving into it. So you might have some parents at home who can't really get into all the fundamental three R's. You know, because math is different now, and we didn't do it this way when I was in school. So they, they can't do. They, they may not be able to get into all the three R's, but everybody can talk about passion. Everybody, what are you passionate about? How do you know you're passionate about it? When you're passionate about it, you don't give up. So find things that you love and get into it. Uh, we also talk about compassion, you know, uh, being empathetic towards towards people, uh, towards the situations and the people around you. So our years long adherence to three R's, that just, that just, it's time to revolutionize that. That can change. And when we change that, we bring in opportunities to have more conversations with parents and parents can see how they're integral in the school process. 
uh, because they, there is a disconnect right now. There, there is a disconnect right now. I think, um, you know, we've always had this uh, mystique or this, uh, this reliance on, well, whatever they say at school stays at school. We're not going to build great citizens with that kind of that kind of um, division. We, we realizing that partnership is, is going to be critical. Yeah, and and on that piece, it's I think pretty arrogant of us to think that learning only happens within the walls of our classroom, right? Because kids can learn anywhere, and so rather than us saying, "Well, you only get quote unquote credit for it if you do it as a, as an assignment for me," why can't we just like recognize the work and the learning that kids are doing? outside of our classroom. And, you know, one of the things that you, that you said in the book is that success was measured by compliance and reduced noise levels. Like that to me was like, yes, that is how people see a successful class. And I've got a teacher at my school who was like my first principal, he came in and you know, it's an art class. And so we're crazy and, you know, doing all kinds of different things. And he got after me because my kids weren't quiet. And I was like, well, they're doing art. They're not supposed to be quiet, you know? Yeah, that's right. And she still like has that issue where when the principal walks in, if it's not quiet, she like gets worried that she's going to get busted. And I'm like, yeah. man, if it's quiet in your classroom, in, in my mind, that means you're, you're not doing the work that you need to be doing to, to be learning. Yeah. And you know, we know better. And I say we know better. We really know better. We know how the brain works. We know that learning is so, learning is as social as, Learning is more social than it is memorization because it has to be about application, you know? So we really know better, but we're still just stuck in that factory mindset and that this is how we've done it. So one of the things that that we, and we don't say this in the book, but we do talk about this during our presentations and our keynotes. We talk about don't be the teacher you had as a student. Be the revolutionary your learners need. So it is about abandoning. And you know what? We focus on too much negative language like abandoning or giving up. It's about learning new and then trying new for for our learners. You know, it it doesn't have to be a hurtful uh, process. Change is going to happen. The only constant in life is change, period, period. Nothing is going to stay the same. So we can embrace that change for our learners and see uh, dramatically different things. So, you know, a teacher, you know, she can go into her classroom and close the door and do what she needs to do. A principal can, you know, coach and work with students. How do you get a whole school to buy into this idea that the change does need to happen and we need to embrace that for our students? How do you get the whole the whole system to shift? You know, that's that is a good tough one. I was talking, I think I was talking to Darren about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, there's just been some time. This is my ninth year as a principal. I've had a couple of home runs, had a couple of strikeouts. And as a principal, we all have. But then more importantly, as people, we all have. That's what comes with learning resilience as a as a primary characteristic that, that we need to that we need to believe in. But but anyway, it is the revolutionaries primary responsibility to build a vision, to build a vision for, uh, hey, here's how things can do better. Let's do different so we can get to better. And we say revolutionary because we, we write in the book, this is not a, it's not just a book for administrators. This is a book for, any, for all educators. 
So uh, a lot of our, some, most of our hero, most of our revolutionary stories are teachers in the classroom uh, that are doing just different and great things. So step one is going to be committing to change and committing to learner-centered change. Now, that's a big one. We can, in our, in our practice, we can make adults happy or we can make learner or, or we can serve the needs of our learners. And that's tough. That's a tough, that's gradual conversations, that's give time and that's push. Then we can model. Then we can dive in and try and embrace risk and keep going to the, to see the results we want. And then the, the third thing I, I hit on, and, and this is uh, this is Darren's term, and I love it, is find your pusher. Find somebody who's going to support you through it. Find somebody who's going to make it happen for you. Give you that good feedback. Uh, really ground your thinking and make you uncomfortable when you, when you're comfortable. Those three things work together to to help start a revolution or to start start some change in your school. And, and we can't put it on a timetable. You know, change is tough, but significant change is relative. You know, so three months might seem like too soon to some people. And, and we see this, you, you know, that's the entire definition of an early adopter is they just jump right into it as opposed to somebody else. It might take uh, three to six months. So that's that whole piece. Yeah. You know, I want to go back to that piece that you said at the beginning. The first aspect of it is committing to learner centered change. And, and that I think is where there's real power and Katie Martin wrote a book called Learner Centered Innovation. I just looked to see if I had it there. It's out of reach, <laughs> but but she wrote that book called Learner Centered Innovation. And when you think about the things that you're doing, if they are you know just making life easier for the adults or just you know doing something that is a tradition because we've always done it that way, like that's not really what we're talking about, right? We're talking about like being real about the lip service we give to putting kids first, and so many mm-hmm. times. We really like lots of teachers want to, and educators and principals and superintendents, they want to do things for kids and they let other things get in the way of that stuff happening. And having that learner centered change and committing to that, where the needs of the kids are first, that's really powerful. And it's so hard to do because it's uncomfortable for us as adults, right? Because, because we're not serving ourselves, we're serving the kids at that point. And that's, that's where it gets real challenging. That's real. So, so check this out. Are you making a decision to avoid having a conversation with an adult versus a conversation you never had with any children? You know, so have you surveyed or talked to any kids or talked to and we, we do. We survey and talk to our adults pretty regularly. Have you surveyed and talked to your kids? Probably. Probably not. When when you we have those two pieces up against each other, it's tough. Learner centered, learner centered is real, and you know this is not something that I've been doing for years. Don't get me wrong. This is just a a, a new realization, really that that I've just gotten into uh, since a little bit before I met Darren, but definitely uh, since got more into it since I met him, and we've talked and met with, with these other educators. Definitely, the learner shift is a newer mindset, newer thinking than what we were accustomed to when we were in school. So that, that's one of the things that we want to, that we want to get, get across is uh, getting learner input when you're building your spaces in your school, when you're designing projects. You know, we talk about voice and choice, the spaces piece particularly. You know, we, we can 
we want to get creative with spaces. And at the end, at the end of the day, we have a very colorful room. But does it serve the 20, 25 kids? Do, is it something that they want or something that they need? Yeah. And so that, that brings up another part in the book that I loved, which was the section on control versus trust. And so moving from, you know, classroom management to trusting the kids that are in your room. And, and that's a piece, you know, like school discipline policies that, you know, are clear that they do not trust kids, you know, and, and we need to find a balance of figuring out how to do that effectively. And I I don't know the answer to that, but I know that a lot of my middle school kids go home and babysit their other kids all evening long until their parents get home. And yet if we leave them in a room working on work in a safe place within our school, like people lose their minds. Right. And it's like, no, if a mom can trust her kid to take care of the four younger siblings I should be able to trust that kid to work quietly in a quiet space where they need to to have that quiet space to get the work done. And, you know, that's just one little thing. But, you know, the bells in schools and we can't trust a kid to get from one place to another without, you know, can't trust a kid to go to the bathroom. Gosh, there's a quote I heard the other day that I don't remember where it was and I wish I could remember. And if anybody heard this podcast, I'm sure it was on a podcast somewhere. But the person was talking I bet it was on personalized learning with Matt and Courtney that they, they, they were asking a high school senior, like, what are you going to do when you get out of high school? And the kid's like, I don't know. I still have to ask to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just like in that sense, it's like, yeah, duh, that's crazy. How can we expect them to make adult decisions when they can't even choose to go to the bathroom without getting permission? Yeah. So that's such a great point. And I want to give a shout out to, um, the teachers and staff at Westerland Middle School for the hero work that they did in that point. So when I, when we first got there and, and it's just like most schools, you know, you have those be prepared, be on time, be this way kind of stuff. And, that, and those are management. That's somebody telling you be, you know, you be this, you, you be, and you do that kind of stuff. That's, that's management. So some of the shift work that the shift work that we engaged in was Moving from that to what what are the values that we want our students to have? How do we want them to look like? What do we want them to look like? How will people, how will students look at the end of the day if they engaged in and, and bought into this? So we came up with five core values. We want our students to be uh, communicators, collaborators, to be compassionate, to have integrity, and to and act with purpose, and act with purpose. So when we shifted from BBB to these characteristics and we developed lessons and talks around those things, then all the spaces, the learning spaces that we create around the school, we began to trust them in those spaces. Uh, the PTO, a PTA there gave uh, some money to each grade level and we converted empty classrooms into learning spaces. And we sent kids into those learning spaces with those, with those lessons and those understandings. And two years, when, when we put those in place, not one incident, not one incident. Of course, you always have to leave the door wide open, but no incidents. We also took, um, we took a bank of lockers off of every hallway and we put in some genius bars. And that's just right in the hallway. And we also put in some exercise bikes. I got that idea from Glenn Robbins. 
and, and some other other sit sit furniture stuff in, in the hallways. So once kids got their work, they went to these uh, learning spaces. But everybody had to talk. We're going to trust you. You're going to act with integrity and purpose there. And when you need to collaborate, you're going to collaborate. And it just changed the culture of the school. It changed the nature of the work as well. So getting out of that old school control mindset of I'm going to manage you to asking kids. And this is really getting kids input. And and that's why I really talk about the staff at West Rowan. That was hero work on their part. Because they said, yeah, how do you want this to look? And when they start bringing in the kids and started really feeling the kids, you just start seeing a whole lot of different things. Yeah, I think that's great. So once again, the book is called The Revolution. It's time to empower change in our schools. I highly suggest you go buy it, maybe buy two or three or four copies for all of your friends. Hopefully I have more friends than two or three or four. I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, you know. But anyway, go. Every staff member at your school will will love this book. That's right. Absolutely. I love it. I'm enjoying reading it. And the last question I asked Derek is, what is one thing a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? Get in the classrooms. Spend half of your day in the classroom. Your emails are going to be there. The phone calls are going to be there. Get in the classrooms. Talk to kids. Sit down. See what's going on. Leave feedback to teachers. Don't leave feedback to teachers sometimes, but get in the classrooms, have conversations. Let that be the formative assessment data that you use to guide the culture and the instructional programming in your school. That's good stuff. How can people get in touch with you and learn more from you, Derek? Oh, yeah. Oh, please get in touch. Um, you can get in touch with me on Twitter. I am at McCoy Derrick. The website is McCoyDerrick.com. Same on LinkedIn. Same with Voxer. The email is DerrickMcCoy.edu at gmail.com. And yeah, just, just get in touch. We're looking to start, truly, we're looking to start a lot of revolutions and uh, create some learner-centered uh, momentum around our country. Well, that is awesome. And thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principal, Derek. God bless you all. Have a good one. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.